श्रुतिस्मृतिपुरा आलय करुणालय नमा भगवत्द I bow at the feet of Lord Shiva in the form of Sri Shankaracharya, who is the blessing for humanity, who is the shrine of the Sruti, the Smriti, and the Purana, and who is the abode of compassion. So, just as an introduction. before we start our discussion on vivek churamani so it is considered as a prakarana grantha a treatise uh, what is meant by prakarana grantha let us try to understand so in hindu scriptures we find that there are there is a concept of prasthana traya prasthana means the great release the liberation for that there are three ways there are three types of scriptures following which we can adopt as our spiritual for our spiritual journey a path and can go for the the ultimate emancipation so what are those three ways by which we can adopt the path for liberation so they are the the prasthana traya what are the three the shruti the smriti and the nyaya shruti prasthana smriti prasthana nyaya prasthana so what they mean shruti as we know that in the vedic period the scripture was not written it was all memorized and was passed from generation to generation through oral transmission so shruti means by hearing it from the predecessor the shishya the successor will be remembering it and it will be a verbat verbatim uh uh memorization of what has been spoken by the predecessor by the guru so there won't be any alteration so as it has to be heard from the guru and has to be memorized and after memorizing it the spiritual journey has to be as per the dictums of the scriptures so that's why it is called shruti that which is heard so the upanishads are the main scriptures the shrutis and then comes the smriti now the concept of the spiritual life the principle of the spiritual life has been spoken of in the shruti following which for ages we will find there are various exemplary figures who live the life based on the shruti and by leading the life based on the shruti they go to the realization and their life becomes the living commentary of the shruti so their life and their teachings become the living commentary of shruti so all those life all those exemplary life who by following the shruti has went to the realization has went to the spiritual exaltation so all those lives their teachings comes under the category of smriti smriti means to remember so those are the exemplary figures in the spiritual life for ages together who has led that life which is recorded in the history and we remember that and by remembering that we get inspired by those life and we also try to lead the life based on their lives and teachings which are nothing but the living commentary of the shrutis so smriti in one sentence we can say it is that which is exemplified the te- uh, the teachings of the shruti which is exemplified through the lives of the illumined soul and then comes the nyaya prasthana so what is the nyaya prasthana so the shruti the concepts which has been spoken of in the scriptures that concepts has been exemplified in the lives of the realized soul 
Now, for us to understand those teachings, rationally to understand those teachings, rationally to interpret those teachings, interpret the lives with those teachings, we need some logic. So, Shruti which is exemplified through the logic is the Nyaya. So the Smriti, one of the best examples of the Smriti is the Bhagavad Gita, where Krishna, the divine incarnation, is instructing Arjuna, the way of life, the various yogas. So as it follows the principles of the Shruti of the Upanishads, but as it is exemplified through the life of Krishna, it is called a Smriti Shastra. His teachings is a Smriti Shastra. And Nyaya is the Brahma Sutras are the Nyaya. So where with the help of logic, we try to understand the concepts which has been spoken of in the Shruti. So these are the three prasthanas, three, three scriptures by following which we can lead a spiritual life. We can think of transcending. Prasthana means to transcend. Transcending this so-called ephemeral existence. So what we will find that to make the Shruti, Smriti and Naya Prasthana comprehensible, even if we are, if we have direct access to Shruti, Smriti and Nyaya, we will find sometimes it is very difficult to comprehend the way the logic has been used. The lives, uh, uh, it has to be interpreted with the Shruti, with the concepts, with the principles, with our untrained mind. It is very difficult for us to understand the import of the scriptures, the import of the lives and teachings with our own intellect. Even when we have the Nyaya Shastra, the Brahma Sutras with us, the logic which has been used, for that we need some training. So, as an intermediary text, various such scriptures came into existence. So that by studying which, we can gradually understand the Brahma Sutras, we can comprehend the Smriti, the Bhagavad Gita, as well as the Shruti. So these intermediary texts, they are called the Prakarana Granthas or the Treatise. Just to give an example to understand that what is meant by treatise, what is meant by Prakarana Grantha. Suppose just take the subject of aerodynamics. Now the principle, the Bernoulli's principle, the based on which the aerodynamics eased, the subject has developed. So those principles speaks of the Sruti Shastra, the basic concept, the basic concept of aerodynamics, the principles are the Sruti. Now following that concept, the aeroplane has been developed. The aeroplane is an exemplification of all those principles. So we can take this aeroplane as a Smriti. And all the textbooks which explain that principle of aerodynamics, that can be considered as Nyaya, with the help of deduction of all the theorems. You are following certain logic, you go to the principle, you prove those principles with the help of the logic, which are in the so-called textbooks of the aerodynamics. They as if represent their Nyaya Shastra. Now for a small child to understand directly the, I mean, to read the textbook of aerodynamics and to understand them is almost impossible because they don't have the basic education to understand all the logics, the equations which has been used to prove the principles. So for a child cannot understand the Nyaya, that is the textbook of the aerodynamics, neither they can understand the Shruti, the so-called principles based on which the uh, all the principles of aerodynamics has been implemented in the form of Smriti, which is the aeroplane. So the child cannot comprehend the Nyaya, he cannot understand the textbooks of aerodynamics, 
neither he understands the principle but if you take him near a plane he is captivated by the aeroplane that it can fly it has the wonderful capacity to take us to a great distance just by flying so this is something which captivates the child similarly those who are child in our spiritual life the novices of the spiritual life they are like the children they neither understand the nyaya the brahma sutras neither the upanishads the shruti shastra but one thing we find that though we may not understand the nyaya the brahma sutras though we may not understand the shruti one thing we find that those who have led the life based on the shruti that exemplary life that inspires us ramakrishna inspires us why it inspires us we find that all the limitations which we are having in our life they have transcended those limitations we all want to excel we all want to go beyond limitations and we find those life that in all situations of life they are completely detached nothing can as such affect them they are always in bliss so all these characteristics is something which captivates us which creates a sense of awe just the way the child seeing the airplane is awestruck that how is it possible now being captivated by that example of the airplane the child must first have shraddha in the shruti now when the child sees the plane flying someone explains that there is a principle behind it first he should have shraddha he should believe that there is this principles are true so the question of shraddha comes he has shraddha in the shruti and to understand those principles gradually he will try to comprehend the equations by deducting which we can go to that ultimate conclusion so he will try to comprehend them but he will find it is not up to his understanding it needs higher education so all the basic textbooks which will gradually take him to that level where he can comprehend the logic which has been used to prove the principles of aerodynamics so all those textbooks can be considered as the prakarana grantha the books which are preparing him to at last understand those advanced learning so these basic books are like the prakarana grantha so here also to directly enter into the uh, depths of shruti of the upanishads or even the bhagavad gita the smriti shastra we may find it is not possible for us by following the nyaya by following the logic of brahma sutra to understand them because even to understand the brahma sutra the logic which has been used behind that we need some basic knowledge all the books the intermediary books which deals with that basic knowledge are the prakarana grantha so this vivek churamani is one of the prakarana grantha of advaita vedanta there are many others this prakarana granthas like atma bodha drik drishya viveka aparokshanubhuti upadesha sahasri and then panchadashi there are many of them this vivek churamani holds a very very prominent position it has been authored by adi shankaracharya himself it is a philosophical treatise which expounds the cardinal truths of advaita vedanta according to which liberation or moksha that can be secured only through knowledge jnana which in the first instance begins with the discrimination between the eternal and the transient this world everything is transitory whatever we see whatever we experience including our own life is transitory it has begun at certain point of time it is going to end at certain point of time and even when we are living it's just a flow the question is is there something which is permanent which is the basis of our existence the foundation of our existence and that foundation which is eternal so this with this question that we all want to live through eternity 
is there something which is eternal which is a real essence of our being so this thing this discrimination between the real between the eternal and the transient is known is has been defined as viveka nitya anitya vastu viveka that what is nitya what is eternal and what is anitya what is transient so to distinguish between these two to discriminate between these two is viveka now this is this work itself is called viveka churamani churamani means the crest jewel the king when he is wearing the crown on the top of the crown is a very very valuable jewel so this viveka is like that jewel the crest jewel so why it has been compared with the crest jewel like the churamani because this viveka is of paramount importance in our spiritual life in our quest for liberation that is the first and foremost quality required for our spiritual evolution so according to advaita vedanta this that what's the cause of our bondage what is the cause of the transmigration that we believe in the cycle of birth and death which is called a sansara what is the cause in shankaracharya and many places bhagavat pada shankaracharya in many places have described it as a chakra as a cycle of avidya kama karma ignorance avidya ignorance kama is the desire and karma action the cycle of ignorance desire and action is the result of the cycle of birth and death is the cause of uh, is the result of this transmigration the cycle of birth and death so what this means this avidya kama karma chakra that because of ignorance what is the ignorance that somehow that we the one who is that conscious principle eternal conscious principle have got identified with its reflection in the psychophysical entity that in our body mind complex which is not conscious it is jada that what makes it appear as conscious is the conscious principle behind that which is reflecting to this body mind complex we take the reflection to be real the moment we take the reflection to be real from that originates karma the desire how that that example which we give that in a petri dish if there microbes you just see through the microscope the microbes are all moving haphazardly now if you give some nutrient in the center you will find that the all the microbes which were moving haphazardly they have now gathered a direction they are moving towards the nutrient if in place of nutrient if i give some toxin they will move away from it so what has happened that conscious principle which it went get reflected in that microbe body the microbe thinks i am this body from that all the karma karma is nothing your desire for sustaining myself to be happy to be that someone something behind me is constantly echoing that you are eternal and i want to realize that eternity through the body mind complex as i have identified the self with it and in this attempt anything which sustains the body mind complex i get attached to it i get drawn towards it anything which is the cause of its destruction i get repelled by it so this raga dvesha abhinivesha these are all the expression of the desire what's the basic desire that i want to be eternal from where it is coming it is because of the echo of the self which is being reflected in the body mind complex so it is because of the ignorance i am already eternal i am already eternal but because that eternity is echoing through the body mind complex and i get identified with that echo and now i try to realize that eternity 
which is already mine through that body-mind complex, which is never possible because that body-mind complex is a flow. And now in this attempt, in this desire to sustain this body-mind complex, I resort to various action. Even in the micro-body, the action starts. When the nutrient is there, it is drawn towards it. That speaks of action. When there is some toxin, it is repelled by it. That again speaks of action. So all the action emanates from karma. And the karma is the product of ignorance. And this is going on life after life, this cycle. That with all the desires, as we evolve, the desires also evolve. And our actions also become more and more complex. But all the basis of, of everything is what? That avidya. I have forgotten that I am perfect. I am eternal. Somehow that eternity I am trying to realize through a flow where I can never, never realize it. And it is futile attempt of realizing the eternity in the ephemeral, in something which is not permanent, is leading to this cycle of avidya, karma, karma. So action is prompted by desire, that is a karma. Karma arises from the sense of incompleteness in the individual who is identifying himself with the things of the world or with his own body. And that gives him the desire to acquire the things, thinking that they will conduce, they will result in his happiness, they will result in his sustenance. And this is, in other words, is the result of confusing the Atman with the things that are not the Atman. And this confusion is Agyana or Avidya. Now what is the cause of this confusion? The cause of this confusion between the Atman and the Anatman. Anatman means that which is not the Atman. That we have found that this ignorance is the cause. And this can be, this can be annihilated. This Avidya can be annihilated. How? With the discrimination between the Atma and the Atma. By incessant discrimination between these two. So that has been indicated, as we were saying, as Nitya Anitya Vastu Viveka. Nitya Anitya Vastu Viveka. So the Atman is Nitya and all that are Anatman is Anitya or Anitya. So that's why is the, this emphasis is on Nitya Anitya Vastu Viveka. So in the Hindu scheme of knowledge, a distinction is made between higher knowledge and lower knowledge. As in the Mundaka Upanishad we found, they call Paravidya and Aparavidya. Vidya. As the mantra goes, Dve Vidye Veditavye Paracha Aparacha Iti. So, Paravidya Aparavidya. Para means the higher, the higher knowledge, and Apara means the lower knowledge. So now, we may, that now, what is higher knowledge and what is lower knowledge? This, the knowledge of this discrimination by which we can get established in Brahmavidya, yaya tat aksharam adhigamyate. The knowledge by which I can reach the akshara. Akshara means which is ephemeral. Akshara means which is eternal. Yaya tat aksharam adhigamyate. That is paravidya by which I can reach that state of my of my existence where I realize that I am eternal, I am ever fulfilled. So that's the Paravidya. And all the knowledge of the science and arts pertaining to this experiential world, to our so-called academic knowledge, they are all belong to the field of Aparavidya. And loosely we translate as higher knowledge and lower knowledge. But it will be wrong to say that the Vedanta's outlook is entirely otherworldly by saying that the knowledge of Brahman is the higher and the so-called all of the secular knowledge is lower. By saying that apparently we feel that as if we are trying to be always otherworldly. So that's not the fact that such knowledge which is called Aparavidya is obligatory. In our scriptures it is mentioned that if we have, it is mandatory 
as per our position in life we have to pursue that so that it, it enables us to go through the concerns of life it enables us to go through the challenges of life the concerns of life successfully and it, it, it do have a place in the scheme of our education but it is pointed out that so that's why we can never say that paravidya the higher knowledge can supplement the aparavidya it can never but at the same time aparavidya is also not the be all and end all of our learning it cannot give us the ultimate fulfillment so as it has been pointed out that over and above this knowledge this apara vidya there is a sphere of knowledge which is called the para vidya that supreme knowledge the knowledge which gives us the knowledge of the brahman which makes us identified with our eternal nature so that also has to be pursued to really get that fulfillment that as we know as ramakrishna used to say khali pete dharma hoyna that apara vidya is required for our basic sustenance but once that is fulfilled we as a human being are so constituted that we always want to find out that the basic purpose of life the meaning of life what is the meaning of existence is there something eternal behind this ephemeral existence we as a human being can never stop that question today or tomorrow we are bound to ask that question it has to come in our life that question has to dawn in our life today or tomorrow and we shouldn't suppress that and for that paravidya should be complemented with the aparavidya yes aparavidya is required for our sustenance as sri ramakrishna used to say that with your money you have just what you have your place to dwell you have the food for your sustenance with money we cannot have anything beyond that it can just sustain us it's going to give us shelter that is required but beyond that as a human being we have to find out the meaning behind our existence and for that paravidya relates to that imperishable without the pursuit of which one can never attain the ultimate fulfillment now how to resort to that paravidya how to attain paravidya like any other knowledge for paravidya also they have to follow the guru shishya tradition the teacher and the student now for any even in our academic knowledge we find to pursue a course we need certain qualification so here also for paravidya to really pursue that brahmavidya we we have to be endowed with certain qualification what are this qualification that very broadly speaking it is jigyasha adhikar vinaya jigyasha first that quest should have be in your mind it has it should have evolved in your mind that question should have arise those who are satisfied with the worldly life for them paravidya can never be fruitful because that urge has never came unless that urge comes however we may try it will have no meaning in the life of a person who has not developed the urge for it just as in english they say that you can take the horse to the water but you cannot make it drink it has to have the thirst so unless the thirst has developed however we may force just that most of us say that for the children we gave the basic background of our spiritual culture but as they grow we find they became very much uh, so called worldly very worldly minded but something we should always remember that however we may try that we can take the horse to the water we may try unless that real jigyasha comes the urge to know that question has not dawned in his life he is quite happy with the ephemeral existence then there cannot be this pursuit of this knowledge 
So first is Jigyasha. Then Adhikar. That not only the quest for that knowledge, just for even in our day-to-day life, if anyone wants to pursue the medical course, he should have the urge to become a doctor. That is there. And along with that, he should have certain qualifications. Some grade should be there. He should be very good student who can understand the intricacies of the medical science. So for that, the grades are a big important thing which reflects his advancement in his knowledge. So there is two things. One is your desire and another is, are you capable? So here also the scripture says, first you should have the desire for that higher knowledge, for the viveka, for vairagya. And then you should be competent. And this the first, very first quality to be competent is called viveka. That's the thing which we are going to study through this special Prakarana Grantha, Viveka Churamani. Viveka means the discrimination. That you have developed the faculty to discriminate between the ephemeral and the eternal. You don't take the ephemeral to be the be-all and end-all of existence. And if you somehow have an inkling of something behind that, then the question of vairagya comes, the dispassion. The things of the world, if they are not going to give me the ultimate fulfillment, then I have to develop a type of dispassion. Dispassion, renunciation, these are the words which are not negative. They have a very, very positive implication. What the positive implication is? That I am renouncing something trivial to attain something which is real worthy. So it is not that I am simply renouncing. It is not negative. I want to attain something which is very positive, which is going to give me fulfillment. For that, I have to renounce something which is trivial. So Vairagya speaks of that. Once I, through Vivek, I know that this world is ephemeral, but there is something behind it which is eternal. Then that Vairagya should develop. And then the six characteristics, the Shamadamadi, Shat Sampati, this all we will study in introduction. Just we are highlighting that what all things will be discussed in the Viveka Churamani. This, the entire this text will be describing this. That first, the urge should be there. The student should approach the teacher. The entire Vivek Churamani is in the form of question and answer. The student is asking some question to which the teacher is answering. We will find most of the Upanishads are also in the dialogue form. What it indicates? It indicates that unless someone asks for, don't deliver this knowledge. Because it won't be useful. Because the Jigyasha, that quest has not developed. So that's why these scriptures are in the question answer form. So here in Vivek Churamani also you will find it is in the question answer form. The quest has developed. The decide that Shishya, the disciple, is asking some question to the competent guru. And if the guru finds that the Shishya is competent, is Adhikari, then he will start answering his questions. So it is in the form of question and answer. So it is imperative that in the process of learning, one should not instruct anybody unless he is requested to do so. And all knowledge is derived only from the teacher. So in accordance with this, even in Vigvyak Churamani, you'll find it is written in the form of dialogue between the teacher and the student, in which the student humbly approaches the Guru for instruction in the Brahma Vidya. So to begin with, the Guru says, what it said when the student approaches the Guru with a basic understanding of the scripture, that there is something for eternal, in reply, the Guru asserts the fact that you will find that when, when we are, go to the text, you will find that the Guru will be asserting that you are really the Paramatman. But your involvement in the bondage of samsara is due to your wrong understanding, your understanding which is clouded by Ajnana. This bondage is to the Anatman. You take the Anatman to be the Atman. And this bondage to the Anatman is samsara. And how to break this ignorance, how to cut asunder this bondage, 
the fire of discrimination between the Atman and Anatman. That alone can completely burn out the effect of ignorance. So when this basic assertion was given, now the student we will find, as he has developed the real quest, as we when we will enter to this uh, real discussion, this it's a wonderful scripture, it's a wonderful treatise. We will find there that the shishya, to give an overall picture, uh, we will just describe the we will highlight this uh, the main points. What is that? We will find the shishya, the student will be reverently asking the Guru seven questions. The entire Vivek Churam is actually answer to those seven questions. So in introduction we are indicating that. So when we enter into the text, you can easily relate to these questions. So what are the seven questions? The first question is, what is bondage? The second question is, how that bondage arise? How we come into this bondage? How did this? How do this bondage arise? And how do it, the third question is how does it continue? We continue to be in this bondage. This is bandana. The fourth question is very important. How is one released from it? First is what is bondage? Second is how does it arise? And how does it continue? Is the third question. The fourth is how one can be released from it. And then he asked that what actually the real is the Anatman. There's a fifth question. The sixth question is what actually is the Paramatman. The Guru has already told him that the distinction between the Atman and the Paramatman is Viveka which alone can lead you to the liberation. Therefore the question comes what is Anatman? What is Paramatman? And how to distinguish between this Atman and Anatman is the last question. So the seven questions are what is bondage? How do it, how do this bondage arise, bandhan arise? How does it continue? The third question. The fourth question is, how can one be released from it? The fifth question is, what is anatman? The sixth question is, what is atman or the paramatman? And the last question is how to distinguish between these two, the atman and the anatman. But we will find that in the succeeding pages of the Vivek Churamani, the guru of the seven questions which were asked uh, serially, one after the other, in succession, by the Shishya, we will find while answering, Guru takes up the fourth question first. The fourth question, what it is? That how is liberation achieved? How we can be released from the bondage? So then uh, the question comes that why instead of answering serially, he took the fourth question first? So very nice example is given that suppose a man is caught in a house which is on fire. So what will he do? His first impulse will be to somehow uh, get rid of the flames, to quench the flames and to run away, to escape the death. So he has to extinguish the flame and to run away. So he is not going to ask that how the house has caught fire. What is bondage is like that. When the house is on fire, your first duty is to go run away from it. How it happened, why it happened, all these questions comes later. If you remember, many times we have given the example of the Buddha's parable. That a man was pierced by an arrow. So what he will do? And that, also, that arrow was also poison. What will he do? Will he just go on? Uh, just investigating? that who has shot the arrow, why he has shot the arrow, what poison he has used, by the time he will die. First is somehow to get rid of the arrow, apply some antidote and save yourself. So here also that's why we will find Guru finds that the fourth question is of the utmost importance. That's why he takes it first. So he will be answering that first, that fourth question where in the reply, the Guru will make it clear that the knowledge of the Atman is not because of any action. This is very important. It is not karma janyam. That whenever uh, we are in a problem throughout our life, 
we found that there is some course of action by which I can get rid of that problem. If I want to attain something in life, I know there is a course of action by which I can attain something. So here, for the first time, we want to get rid of this so-called the bondage of our worldly existence. So naturally, as per our previous experience, for lives together, we may think that there must be some course of action by which I can get beyond this bondage. So very, at the very beginning, the teacher will make it clear that it is not karma janyam. It is not by some action. It is not because of the result of karma, some karma, that you can attain that knowledge of Atman. So these are the words, which the technological terms which will be used. It is not karma janyam. It is vastu tantram. It is not purusha tantram. This is a very, very significant word. Purusha tantra means what? That as a person, I adopt certain mode of action. So that is purusha tantra. To attain something, to get liberated from something. But here Guru says that it is vastu tantram. What is vastu tantram? Atma vastu. That once you know the Atman, the ignorance falls off. The antidote of ignorance is knowledge. It's not something by action you have to attend that. Once the knowledge dawns in, the ignorance in a flash falls off. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, suppose a room is dark, a cave is dark for thousands of years, for millions of years. Now if you take a matchbox and strike a matchstick, will it take another million years for the, that cave to get lighted? It was dark for millions of years, but the moment you strike the matchstick, immediately it gets lighted. So similarly the knowledge that our Ajnana is Anadi. From when it has started we don't know, it is Anadi, just the way when you are dreaming and you, you're, you wake up from the dream, you know the dream has ended. But if I ask you when the dream started, can you ever say when the dream started? So in that sense, we also don't know that this Ajnana, when it started, it is Anadi. It has no beginning as such, but it has an end. It is not Ananta. It is going to end. When it is going to end? Once I am aware of the Atma, Atman, the Atma Vastu. When I, so this, it, it is a, this, it is, it is Vastu Tantra, not Purusha Tantra. What it means that it is a knowledge of the ever existing Atman and not what it is to be effectuated by human endeavor that speaks of liberation. It's just the knowledge, not any endeavor. So karma has its limitation and it cannot lead to liberation. Very nicely, we will find in Vivek Churamani, they will give a reasons. We will come to this discussion, very interesting, that all the action results in four types of results. There are only four types of results which we can attain through action. What are these four types of results? Utpadyam. Utpadyam is to produce something. Even in our... Uh, vernacular in regional language even in bengali hindi utpadan means to produce something utpadyam so by action we can produce something prapti we can acquire something suppose uh, the potter makes the pot the pot was not there he produces the pot that is utpadyam prapti acquisition i the car which is in the showroom through my action, through my work, I can earn some salary and with that salary I can go and buy that. So that is acquisition, prapti. I want to become some doctor, I want to become engineer, I want to become a businessman, a professor, whatever it may be. That's prapti. It is not something which is at present my property, I can attain it. Through karma, I can attain something, I can produce something. Through action, I can transform. I can transform my behavioral pattern. I can transform my character. If you give me a 
mold of clay i can transform it into the various pottery so it's not only something is which is produced it can be transformed all the gold ornament speaks of transformation the gold can be transformed so with action i can transform with action i can purify samskaryam something which is impure just take a ore of gold i can get rid of its impurities to get the pure gold out of it so through this this karma these four types of actions are possible four types of results are possible utpadyam is production prapti is acquisition transvikaryam is transformation samskaryam is purification but the self is not produced it is always there through eternity it is not something to be acquired it is the essence of your being it that through my action i cannot transform it because it is on the eternal present there is no vikara the six types of transformation which we find in any uh, things which is existing in this in our existence all the things go through six type of transformation this it is born at certain point of time jayate it exists and then it grows vardhate and then viparinamate it is transformation and then it starts decaying apakshyate and then it's annihilated so all this speaks of transformation but the self is in eternal present so there is no question of transformation so the thing which cannot be transformed that the thing which cannot be acquired the thing which cannot be produced the thing which cannot be purified because it is always pure so through karma i can have this four type of results none of which applies to the self the self cannot be produced it cannot be acquired it cannot be transformed something cannot be transformed into the self you cannot purify something to attain the self because self alone is it is only because the ignorance the anatman appears anatman as such is not there just the way uh, when you are seeing a huge reservoir while traveling through the desert that mirage doesn't have the capacity to drench even a single sand particle so similarly the thing which is projected in no way can tarnish the thing the thing on which that projects the thing which is superimposed can never tarnish the thing on which it is when superimposed means just the way this rope on which you see the snake that snake can never in any way bite that rope can inflict poison in that rope it cannot touch it because it's a mere projection similarly the entire world is a projection so there is no question of purification so how can some karma some action lead to the attainment of atman so it is never possible to attain that self with action as the self is neither produced nor is available for acquisition and it is free from all sorts of modification and it is ever pure so karma cannot give us self knowledge so just see how this vivek chakravarti gradually will take us uh to that knowledge which speaks of some uh, a knowledge which is beyond all action so thus this knowledge of atman is not attained through endeavor but it is attained by the removal of the ignorance so now you may say very interesting that it is not attained by any action but at the same time we will find we will prescribe this practice this chatur sadhana chatushtaya viveka vairagya samadamadi shat sampatti and mumukshut we will prescribe doesn't it speak of some endeavor or action yes so very clearly we should understand those actions are meant for the removal of the ignorance once the ignorance is removed the knowledge flashes and once the knowledge flashes you become identified with the atman so it is for the remove there's all those actions are for the removal of the ignorance but the immediate cause for liberation is the knowledge 
with all those endeavor when the ignorance is washed away the knowledge dawns in and you are liberated so so this agyana can re, this can be removed by gyana the antidote for agyana is not karma but gyana so that's the thing which while answering the fourth question that how can i be liberated from this bondage the ultimate answer is gyana the moment that knowledge dawns in your mind that you are the atman you are not in uh, identified with the anatman immediately it will lead you to the liberation so then the question comes at what actually is anatman so guru will take the fifth question after answering that fourth question that it is through knowledge that it is vastu tantram nat purusha tantram it is not karma janyam it is something which results by the removal of the ignorance the next question comes then what is that anatman which which we have identified so so to realize the atman one should be able to separate it from the anatman the person a person now to answer this question we will find that guru will take us through steps the first he will say what is anatman first he will take the microcosm our own body and later he will take the macrocosm the entire universe to find out what is anatman so when you just see your own body the immediate immediate thing which is perceptible is my own psychophysical existence he says that a person is constituted of three kinds of body the sthula sharira the sukshma sharira and the karana sharira this gross body the subtle body and the causal body so these we will come to the discussion later that what these uh, this uh, bodies signify but what's the common thing we will find that the guru will point out that all these three belong to the anatman because for one or more of the 12 reasons this will be discussed through the various shlokas of the prakarana granth of viveka churamani what are the 12 reasons for one or more of them all the three types of body the gross body the subtle body which speaks of the mind the causal body speaks of the bliss which is as if even beyond the mind when you are in deep sleep the mind is not acting the bliss which you enjoy in the sleep that speaks of the karana sharira from where the mind has evolved even beyond that the turiya state where the atman is to separate this karana sharira sukshma sharira sthula sharira the gross body the annamaya kosha this physical body which is the product of the food the beyond that the pranamaya the manomaya kosha then the vigyanamaya kosha and the anandamaya kosha so all these koshas you will find is cannot be this uh, is all they all, uh, be the atman they all belong to the category of an atman because for which 12 reasons will be cited what because they are all gross as per the atman is concerned they are all gross sthula and you have a sense of possession you always say my body you don't say i body my body body is just like the the way you say my pain my book my furniture similarly my body so something which i possess so my mind my mind is not well my my health is not okay we always use that my we speaks of the possession so these are all the things which we are possessing so that's why it cannot be the atman they are all anatman and all the things they are by by which our psychophysical existence is constituted we will find they are an aggregate now anything which is an aggregate which is made up of parts cannot speak of the ultimate reality why there is a wonderful sutra in uh, shankya philosophy it is called sanghato parartatva that whenever various parts conglomerate to make an aggregate you will find that the aggregate doesn't serve the purpose of any of those parts any of those conglomerates to with an example we will try to understand suppose the room which in which i am sitting the room is made up of bricks or the cement and then there are some uh, this uh, wooden structures the light electricity the fan the carpets 
the altar uh, now when i'm just having the class the laptop uh, the speakers everything speaks of as a constituent of this room they all has made this room the furnitures the bricks the stones the cement everything by which this room is constituted constituted does the room serve the purpose for any of this constituent does the room serve any purpose for the bricks for the cement for the wood it doesn't serve the purpose for any of its constituent it serves the purpose for someone who is not a constituent of it like we those who are something para para apart from this uh, room we come into the room and it serves purpose for us we come here we meditate we have classes we have our vesper service evening service so for us it serves some purpose so always you will find in this world anything which is made of aggregate it cannot be it cannot serve the purpose for any of the conglomerates any of the parts by which that aggregate is made it is for something apart from it so as all this three sharira is made up of parts it cannot be the ultimate something must be beyond that for which it is serving the purpose so as it is an aggregate so it is an atman again again as it is composed of three gunas the sattva rajas tamas it is trigunatmak it cannot be the self why triguna speaks of response to the stimuli we will come to the discussion in details much later in uh, nutshell we can say that any stimuli speaks of the sattva any response speaks of rajas actions and our mind how it actually reacts when a stimuli activates our mind then the knowledge of the world dawns in which was already there dormant it is projected so all those ideas which is dormant in the mind are the tamas so what this triguna speaks of it speaks of constant mutation of this three gunas sattva rajatama to respond to certain stimuli why we respond to certain stimuli again because of the sense of unfulfillment that when the, just if you remember that example which we gave when the nutrient is there we are drawn towards it if the poison is there we are repelled by it so why these responses come from the stimuli what the stimuli that there is some way i perceive the nutrient as nutrient this perception speaks of the stimuli which generates a response either we are drawn towards it or we are repelled by it so what it all speaks of a sense of unfulfillment so wherever is a trigunas working it comes from the sense of unfulfillment which again has resulted from desires and that desire is a product of agyana so wherever you find the play of these three gunas know it for certain it cannot be the ultimate beyond that something is there the gunas the three gunas is in the domain of anatma so as all these three bodies is composed of gunas is trigunamaya so it cannot be the atman it is impure because what is impure that which can be cleansed you can cleanse your body you can cleanse you purify your mind so they are basically ashuddha but atman never any impurity can tarnish it so as this all these three bodies are impure they cannot be the ultimate self is the fifth the sixth it does not exist in all the three phases of time past present and future it was born at certain point of time it is going to die at certain point of time so it is not trikala vaditha and even when it is existing it is going through changes sharavikara so again that's why it is anatma again the seventh reason is it is limited by space time object when i am sitting here i am nowhere else i am limited by the space at a certain time i am sitting here for certain period of time after that i will be somewhere else so my existence as a psychophysical being is limited by space time and objects a chair is not the table a table is not the chair so this 
space time object this kal vastu parichinna these are the thing which de- defines any of the things which we see and experience in this world of phenomenon so they cannot be the atman because atman is beyond desha kal vastu that is desha kal vastu aparichinna it is a substratum when with the gold i can make various ornaments the earring can never be the necklace so as a vastu they are different the earring is in one place the necklace is in another place desha kala vastu this thing differentiates them but as gold it is both in the earring as well as in the necklace so desha it is becomes desha kala vastu aparichinna that the necklace can never be the uh, ring the ring can never be the necklace but the gold which constitutes the reality of both that cannot be differentiated that is something which is the basic substratum so that's how the self is beyond space time objects desha kala vastu aparichinna but as our all the three bodies are differentiated by space time object it cannot be the atman the eighth reason is it is seen and later not seen drishta nashta swabhava we exist for a certain time and then we are annihilated it is nashta it's gone nothing in this world is per- permanent so it is drishta nashta swabhava it is seen and later not seen and it is something all the things which i see is a product of something there is a cause behind it so it is kritaka it is the product it is an effect the tenth is it is gear it is known something which is the known cannot be the knower so you will find this all things things will come to the discussion we are just giving an overall uh, overview of the salient points of the this entire scripture so anything which is known cannot be the knower the knower is always apart from the known so this is the tenth reason the eleventh reason is that anything this body mind complex this complex is something which is ruled we find that various causes are there for its sustenance it is ruled it is maya dhin that is it is within the domain of ignorance there is it is not something which is a ruler which is not the maya dhish it is not beyond the domain of ignorance so that's the 11th and the last region is it is dependent paratantra it is not swatantra so these are the things which are just we are giving an idea that how the scripture will progress so it may at the beginning it may appear that we are discussing something uh, which is not making a very clear sense but just to have an overall idea that how the entire text will be proceeding so this how that first they will say that the bondage the breaking of the bondage because of the knowledge of the separation of atman and anatman and then what is anatman this all these 12 things describes anatman and what is paramatman that's the sixth question so the guru will proceed for the sixth first he answers the fourth question that how to attain liberation the fifth is what is anatman that he has described the sixth question then he will answer that is what is paramatman and then he will go to the first second and third question answer them and last he will answer the seventh question so this is the sequence which will be followed as we enter the text as you enter the text you will find the shlokas are very interesting there we will take part by part each shloka and elaborate on it but now just an overview we are giving this entire scripture is the answer to the seven questions where the fourth question is taken first after the fifth question the sixth question that what is the paramatman what is something which is different from that anatman so that will be taken up in the as an answer for the sixth question we will proceed with it slowly again in the next class this after answering the sixth question he will go back to the first second and third that what is bondage after answering the sixth question and what is the there's the what you say the cause of bondage and how it is sustained these are the first three questions and then that how this anatman atman and anatman can be separated segregated there's the last question he will come at the seventh question as the last so we will take up this sixth 
question in the next class followed by the by first second and third question and the last question and then that how after answering the question that we can lead a life here and now in this present world not after death not post mortal existence as a jivan mukta we can enjoy the state of liberation while existing here how is it possible and how the one who has attained that state after death there is no comeback for him he attains that atyantika mukti so that will be described as a conclusion of this prakarana grantha that so this the overall view of this remaining questions and the conclusion we will take up as our introductory discussion again in the next class so with this we stop our discussion today once after the introduction we will start studying the shlokas one by one and go to the details of it by elaborating them so thank you all for today's class namaskars